There's a lot of stuff going on globally, isn't there? There's a lot of stuff going on nationally. There's a lot of stuff going on in our communities. And I don't know about your life, but there's a lot of stuff going on individually in our lives. And we've been talking about this series from the book of Ephesians so that we can have this incorruptible love for God. Y'all, we are on week 11 of 12. We're almost there. Aren't you proud that we're almost through this book? And I want to recap because we've learned some pretty cool things. Again, Paul is training us to have an incorruptible love for God. Imagine that nothing uh, can get in the way of our love for God. No circumstance, no trial, no tense, tension, tense relationship, difficult season. Uh, incorruptible love is what Paul is training us to have. So we started with incorruptible identity that uh, we didn't choose God, but that God chose us. And then in week two, we talked about incorruptible prayer. We're going to talk about prayer. Paul again talks about prayer in Ephesians 6, but in Ephesians 2, he teaches us to have these types of prayers that are powerful and filled with heavenly authority. And then in week three, we talked about incorruptible story, that we all have a story. Ephesians 2, we'll go back to these verses today. God is, uh, we're not the heroes of our story. Story, though God is. And then in week four, we talked about incorruptible peace, that God tore the fabric of religion, that, that, that uh, temple curtain in half so that the presence of God's peace can live in here. He wants relationship with us and he wants us to have his peace. And then we talked about incorruptible power. Pastor Ricardo Bisset from Cuba, remember, he said, don't give up. God is able to do way more than anything that we can ever uh, do on our own. And then incorruptible unity. We flipped the page. So now we talked about this word response ability, that we have the ability to respond to anything that life throws our way because of God's incorruptible love for us. And that starts here in the church, that we're to be united. We're to have a culture of unity and then incorruptible living. Take off the old and put on the new. The old is gone, the new has come. Different ways of living that we're called to have. And then incorruptible marriage. So first of three set of relationships that we looked at, incorruptible marriage, and then incorruptible parenting, and then last week was incorruptible workplace. How to be Christ-like in all three sets of relationships. And then today, we'll talk about incorruptible Strength. Ephesians 5.21 uh, summarized those first three uh, sets of relationships. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And in community groups and in conversations with a lot of you, I, I really enjoyed listening to the tension of saying, you know, I don't like to submit. This word doesn't sound, if you're a man, very manly. If you're Texan, very Texan or American. We don't submit. We stand up for what is right and true and good and for God. Anybody out there? Yeah. See, I know, I talked to you these last three weeks and, and yet we, we wrestled with what it looked like if you're married to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. If, if, if you have parents or how to honor your parents, how to submit uh, to those relationships and then in the workplace, how, how to do as Jesus did. And he submitted himself ultimately to the point of death and death on a cross. And today we talk about this other side. 
We talk about strength. That's what Paul is speaking to. We may have lost an hour, but we're going to make it up as we are in boot camp this morning through these verses. We'll, we'll talk about the armor of God. We'll talk about the importance of prayer, but it's all under the umbrella of being strong. This is what Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 14 say. Be strong in the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power, that's where Paul is taking us as he's closing this letter. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Oh, let's go back, please. Uh, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We'll continue reading, but this is kind of the, the thesis uh, verses and statements from our time this morning. Right off the bat, I want you to know this could be many, 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 many messages, and, and we're going to take a 30,000 uh, foot view, and what we're going to concentrate our, uh, on this morning is three problems, three problems that we have personally with these truths. And I want to outline for them uh, before we read the rest of the verses. The first problem is that we're not strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Instead, we fight with our own strength. We're independent. We tend to choose our own abilities. We tend to use our own uh, power and, and to just go through whatever we are going through in life. And the bottom line is that A, that's not enough. B, that's not God's way. God is our source of power. We are, we are weak. He is strong. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. It's his strength. The second is that we are not prepared for spiritual battle. Some of us are ready for physical battle. I know, and I know where you live. So if that happens here, I'm going to your house and, and, and I'm going to be being protected by, by you, you know? I love that some of us are ready. We're on the edge. We're like, I know it's coming. I'm ready. And that's great. But we're talking about spiritual battle. We're not talking about physical battle. In physical battle, I mean spiritual battle, this is a war that's waged every single day, whether we know it or not. God has given us his armor, put on the full armor of God, not just one part but the full armor so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And here's our third problem. We think our struggle is against people. We see the person as the enemy instead of the devil as the enemy. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, for some of us, maybe we're visiting or maybe we're, you know, we're walking in and be like, yo, what did I walk into? This is kind of spooky and spiritual, and I'm not so sure about this. Here's what I want to say to you. Back then in context, this pe these people in Ephesus, they were very accustomed to spiritual activity. 
There was a temple to Artemis, a pagan god that was very uh, heavily worshiped. And there was spiritual activity. I'm talking about manifestations like exorcism type stuff and, and just weird stuff going on. And for us today in Wimberley, Texas, where we currently are, or if you're watching online, wherever you may be, it may seem a little strange to think that that happens, but don't be deceived by our superficial culture because the reality is supernatural. Whether we have eyes to see it or not, that's another thing. And here's the other thing that we need to know. He has given us everything that we need to stand up and take a stand against the enemy. That's what we're gonna talk about today. So quickly, I, I want you to just think, which one is your chief maybe thing that you struggle with? Is it independence? Is it uh, fighting with your own strength? Maybe it's, it's you find yourself right now in a scenario where you are seeing some strange spiritual activity going on and, and you just find yourself unprepared. You're, you're not putting on the full armor in, in prayer, which we will talk about. Or maybe it's the third, that you think the enemy is a person or is a political party, or is somebody in the workplace, and, and you have bitterness and anger and hatred stored up in here towards a person, and, 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 and forgetting that that's just not the way that God has said things. There's a reality underneath that uh, issue in person. So quickly, self-assess, and let's pray, and we will continue to talk about these three problems. Lord, we thank you that your yoke is easy and your burden is light, that you have already won, that the battle is over, that the victory is won. And Jesus, when you return, you will make all things new. We can rest as those who believe in you, knowing that we are good that we are safe, that you are our refuge. And Lord, if there's anyone in the house that is considering uh, you know, the things of God and, and wondering what it looks like to follow Jesus, Lord, I pray that, that we would see that when there is tension, that's what you want to resolve. That where there is opposition, that you have already fought that battle for us and you have given us everything that you need to overcome those things in our life that come against us because you are for us. And so, Lord, as we read, may you speak to every individual life and circumstance in Jesus' name. Amen. First problem we're going to talk about, the first problem, then we're going to skip to the third, and then we'll uh, go to the second. So, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We get our strength from God. And I've put seven verses on the screen so that you can get your phones out right now and take a picture of them. Or if you go to ccc.guide, the slides are already on there. You can read through these because these are seven verses that remind us that A, we're not alone, B, that God is with us, and C, God is for us and has already won the battle. So 1 John 4, four little children, you are from God and have overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I can do all this through him. Him who gives me strength, Philippians 4.13, probably the second most famous Bible verse. Uh, then 2 Corinthians 12.9, my grace is sufficient 
before you, my power is made perfect in weakness. Romans 8, 37, now know in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for the joy of the Lord is my strength. Nehemiah 8, 10 and Romans 8, 31, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And I tell you, you are Peter. This is Jesus to Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against a Matthew 16, 18. These we can hold on to. And, and, and when we are feeling independent, man, we can depend on these verses and on this truth that finally we can be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That is the first uh, problem. And, and, that, and that's, a, that's a solution. It's the very word of God. We'll come back to that when we talk about the armor. Let's jump to number three. Because this one I think is far too often true. I know for me, because we see people. We don't always see what's underneath. And I wanna call out uh, Priscilla Schreier. Women, if you did the Abide study last year, you did a whole study. How many weeks on the armor of God? You got like 25 minutes on the armor of God this morning. So if you have it, Go back to it, allow that to teach you. But I stole my wife's notes and I uh, got this for us, which is so good. This is what she writes. The real enemy, the devil, wants you to ignore the spiritual reality behind the physical one. Because as long as you're focused on what you can see with your physical eyes, he can continue to run rampant underneath the surface. The more you disregard him, the more damage he is free to do. The enemy may be invisible, but he is not fictional. He is very real and very persistent, waging war against us constantly. I want to run real quick through the history with, uh, of our struggle as humans with the devil, with sin, with our flesh, with the world. Starts back in Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and God had provided everything that he needed for them, everything that they needed was right there for them. But then the serpent, the devil deceived Adam and Eve and they chose to uh, follow the serpent's wisdom and advice instead of God's. They went out on a limb, found themselves alone and ashamed and guilty. And so God, the first question that God gives to Adam and Eve in the garden is what? Not how dare you, but where are you? God has been seeking us since that day. And then he curses the serpent and says this in Genesis chapter three, verses 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So God is speaking to the serpent and he's saying, hey, you and the woman and everyone else that comes after her, which is all of us, will have Enmity, what is enmity? Enmity is defined as the state of being actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. So there has been enmity since day one, but he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So the serpent did strike the heel of one of the sons of Eve, Jesus. That's the death on the cross. Right there from chapter three, we see Jesus. He died on that cross, but he will crush your head. He didn't stay dead. 
He resurrected three days after that and overcame the evil one once and for all. Anybody out there? That's the promise that we can hold on to as we struggle with the enemy's schemes this side of heaven, knowing that he's already won. And he will come back, by the way, and then make all things new. And then no more sorrow, no more pain, no more evil, no more suffering. It will all be good when heaven and earth come together. So this happened in Genesis 3. And then the rest of the Old Testament is God pursuing his people, saying, where are you? Making a covenant with them, saying, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm going to continue to pursue you, even though you are not pursuing me. And, and so he gives the law. He shows us the issue in here that we can't obey God, even if we try really, really, really hard. And that's why Jesus came to do away with death and to show us how to truly live. And this is where I want to jump back into these verses in Ephesians 2, where we looked at three enemies that come against us. Verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, that's all of us, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air of the spirit, who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. So three enemies. The first one is the ruler or the ways of this world, the patterns of this world. Because of sin, our world is broken. That's the first enemy. The second is this ruler of the air, the devil, the one who deceived from the beginning. And then the third, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. That's our sinful nature. We're fighting all three, y'all. Sometimes we give the devil credit for consequences that we're paying for our own sins. It's not always the devil, but make no mistake, he exists and he wants to create chaos in our lives. But because of his great love for us, verse four, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved in God, raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So our enemy is not a human being. Our enemy is our heart. Our enemy is our culture, these patterns of the world. And the enemy is the devil. That's who Paul really focuses in uh, here, the devil in Ephesians chapter six. And so here's what I want us to do. I want you to think about that person, that circumstance, that tense situation that you're living through right now and put a name on it. I want you to think about that person. And then I want you to say in your mind, if you want, say it out loud and say, that's not my enemy. That's not our enemy. That person, that circumstance, that tense situation, not our enemy. That's what we're learning in this uh, part of Ephesians, that our enemy exists. Our enemy has already been defeated and we now need to take a stand and be prepared so that we can advance God's kingdom here on earth until Jesus comes back. And so that's the second problem that we're not prepared for spiritual battle. 
We don't have our spiritual armor on. And Paul gets real practical here. Paul doesn't go, I love these metaphors. I mean, he just gives us what we need, exactly what we need, and gives us these seven weapons to do spiritual armor. But before we go to those, I wanna read Isaiah 59 because uh, for many years, I thought that the spiritual armor was literally us putting it on kind of like from, from the ground. But now I, I've learned that this is God's armor that he literally put on and has given to us. Check this out, Isaiah 59, starting in verse 16. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice he saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. God is our divine warrior. He fights for us and he fights with us. So when we look at the spiritual armor, we need to realize that it's God's armor. It's God's very own armor. It's different than our own armor. There's a story in the Bible, David and Goliath. David's about to go out and fight Goliath. You probably know the story. And Saul, who's the king, gives this little guy, David, young guy, his armor. And what does David do? He puts it on. And then what does he do? He realizes how heavy it is. He can't fight. That's not how he has been fighting the lions and, and the bears when he's been alone protecting his sheep with the Lord. He's relying on God's strength. He's relying on, 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 on God to come through, not on man's armor. So he takes it off, takes a slingshot. Boosh. See you later, Goliath. This is God's armor for us. He had it on. Now he's giving it to us. Let's read starting in verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Check out the six uh, pieces of armor and then seventh is prayer, which we'll, we'll close out by reading after we go through these six. Again, these individually can be a whole message. So we're just gonna run through them. the belt of truth. What is that? Well, if we don't put the belt of truth, what, what happens when we don't put our belts on? We tend to sag, our clothes start to fall apart. And so the two things that the belt of truth ask us to do is we need to know the truth. We need to know the capital T truth and we need to live honestly. We need to know our truth, how we're doing, how we're feeling and, and not fake it on the outside. So it's knowing the truth in living honestly. In Isaiah eleven five, he says, he shall be girded with righteousness around the waist and bound with truth around the sides. We may not see uh, supernatural enemies in our culture, but we do have um, a, a, a secular, secularism. We have 
consumerism, we have me-ism, where I am, capital T, truth, and, and, and the belt of truth is he is the way, the truth, and the life, and there is no other way to God than through his son, Jesus Christ. We need to know the truth, and the beautiful thing, too, is we can be real with God. We can tell him exactly how we're doing, and he meets us right there. Know the truth and live. Honestly, the breastplate of righteousness. I wrote down, guard your heart. That's from Proverbs 4.23, which says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. If we struggle with seeing people as our enemy in the problem, this is a good one, because it's guarding our heart against bitterness, guarding our heart against unforgiveness, guarding our heart against hatred, because from there comes everything else. You can tell when you're talking to a better person. That's the breastplate of righteousness. It protects our heart and it reminds us that it's not our righteousness that's protecting us. No, it's his righteousness. We're only righteous because we're in Christ, the only righteous one. And so we're not better than anybody else. And that protects us from that bitterness, envy, anger, and hatred. Breastplate of righteousness. Then there's the readiness of the gospel of peace. My personal favorite because we need it. We need to be ready to share the gospel of Jesus Christ in just verbatim. Hey, I want you to know that I believe that Jesus Christ, he came to die for all of my sins. So I really do feel forgiven by God. And because of that forgiveness, I live differently. I'm not going to do the things that I used to do because I'm not going to take what Jesus did for me for granted. And, and so that changes me. And, and I want you to know that that's available to you. That's just a quick little snippet. Just your words sharing the name of Jesus in the hope that we have in him. And, and we do that by sharing our stories, which Revelation 12, 11 says that they triumph over him, the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Sometimes we're afraid of what others think of us. Sometimes we're afraid of offending. Well, the Bible teaches us that the gospel is offensive. It's offensive to us when we really think about what Jesus has done for us, because there's nothing that we could do to earn it. There's no, no little piece that we can do to claim as I did this in order to earn God. Nope. It's offensive because it's all God. It's all his grace. So share the gospel. Be ready to go. If you want to stand firm and if you want to be bold for the gospel, share it. Talk about it. Share your story. Shield of faith. Hold on to our conviction. What do we believe? And we stand firm in that statement. Not because, again, we wrote it, this is one of, my, one of the most beautiful things that I think we're regaining in our culture. If we truly believe in Jesus, what we're saying is that we're hiding behind the truth of who he is. We're not writing anything new. We're not coming up with some new uh, way or nuanced way of thinking. Nope, we're just disciples. We're followers. We're submitted under his word. And if it doesn't agree with what we think or what we feel, then that's up to us to change, not change this. We stand 
firm with the shield of faith that's able to extinguish all of the arrows. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, Jose, my faith is real weak. Then the Roman, where is it? The Roman shield formation called testudo is for you. That's one shield next to another shield, next to another shield with shields all around and on top. These are shields that are like two feet uh, in width and uh, four feet in length. So big old shields that protect us. And the more we are, the better we are covered and are shielded from those flaming arrows that want to penetrate the shield but not when we are together. That's why, that's why we're here, y'all, on Sunday morning. That's why we meet in community groups and smaller groups when we can shield one another from the flaming arrows of the enemy. The helmet of salvation, going back to Ephesians 1, we are chosen. I mean, if we know that, it doesn't matter what happens this side of heaven, does it? We know where we're going. We know where our future is and we are secure in our identity as followers of Jesus. And lastly, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. We hide it in our heart. We read those verses earlier, those seven verses that teach us that God is our, uh, the source of our strength. Hide those here. And when trouble comes, when the enemy starts shooting, watch how that is, uh, uh, allows you to slice through the fog and confusion. And then this last passage, last three verses, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people and pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Y'all, there are more verses about prayer than the entire armor, and yet we don't include prayer as a part of the armor of God. Hello? Prayer is our most effective and our most powerful weapon when it comes to spiritual warfare. If you don't believe me, read Joshua 5 and read the story of Jericho, where the Israelites are asked to be silent and to surround this stronghold of a city, one of the uh, most amazing cities in ancient times. And on the seventh day with the loud, after seven days of silence with the loud shout, those walls come crumbling down. I don't know if they were praying. Maybe they were thinking something that I think whenever I uh, have experienced oppression or, or something coming like, God, I don't know what you're doing. God, I don't even, I, like, I doubt whether you're able to come true. I'm gonna hold firm to, to your truth, but God, I have all sorts of questions. And, and so it's just communicating to God and saying, Lord, I don't know, but I'm gonna choose to obey regardless of how I feel or what I think. That's that communication that God so desperately wants. And he's saying, pray always. So that means all the time, on all occasions, all the time, not just on Sunday mornings, not just in the mornings or at night, all the time. Just talk to God in your own language, in your own way. Talk to him, think about him, posture your heart toward 
him. All kinds of prayers, it says. That means prayers of requests, of petition, asking God, prayers of adoration, adoring and praising him for who he is. Prayers of intercession, where we are standing in the gap for someone who desperately needs the Lord. Praying always, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. So that's praying with all perseverance knowing that God can come through even when we don't see the end and praying for all the Lord's people, all the Lord's people. I wanna share with you an amazing thing that happened after uh, the nine o'clock gathering. We are about to pray. That's how we're gonna close today. And uh, I'm praying over here and someone brought up a name that that had been on my heart all week long. They had no idea that that person had been on my heart, but God did. And that's why God's people are in God's house to pray for one another. So just pray. If someone comes to your mind, they're on your mind for a reason. And you can just say, Lord, I don't know why this person came to my mind, but I'm just going to pray. I think they must need you or, or send them a text and saying, hey, I'm with you if, they have, if you have their number. That's what it looks like to be strong in the Lord as God's people. So let's recap. Three problems. We fight with our own strength. We're not strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We now know that God is the source of our strength. That we, second problem, that we are not prepared for spiritual battle. Maybe find ourselves in situations where, where we just didn't put on the full armor of God. We have God's spiritual armor and then we think our struggle is against people and not against the authorities, powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You may be, again, thinking, Jose, you said earlier that Jesus was coming back, and, and so I don't understand this battle. If the war is won, why, why, why now? Why is this happening? Well, Jesus was actually called uh, the devil, the son of, of darkness, and, and people were thinking that he was Satan. And in Mark 3, he gives us the answer here. He tells him the devil can't uh, stand against, like the devil can't come against the devil. The Satan can't come against Satan because then that house will fall and says, in fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Jesus tied up the strong man on the cross. He's got him. It's done. So we plunder the strong man's house. We go in and we reclaim what is God's. That's spiritual warfare. We say, nope, that's not in the dominion of darkness. That's in the dominion of light. That may be you right now where you feel like you are in that darkness and there are things that are coming against you that are unexplainable. I'm glad that you're here. I'm really glad that you're here. And maybe you know somebody that's right there. You can pray for them right now. Uh, We'll have someone here in this little room. I'll be over here. Someone back there. And then we have the gap. So these are going to be like little gaps on all four corners. If you want to receive prayer personally or stand in the gap for someone, this is the place and this is the time that has been set apart for us to do those things. So I want to invite you 
to go pray with someone. Maybe you prefer to come here personally. We, we call this the altar where you can posture yourself as you want and, and pray to the Lord as, as a symbol, as an act of obedience, right, right here in the front. Or maybe you feel comfortable right where you are. Whatever it is, this is the time where we will now turn to God and, and use the most effective and powerful weapon that we have which is prayer. Again, we'll have people in the back, uh, people here, people there, and then people in that corner. If you're a community group leader uh, or part of the prayer ministry team, I do want to invite you to uh, be available for prayer as we close. Let's pray. We thank you, God, for binding the enemy as you were bound on the cross. We thank you that by your stripes, we are healed. We thank you that we are no longer a part of the dominion of darkness, but have been transferred over to the kingdom of light. We thank you for overcoming the evil one and for giving us everything that we need to be free. And so, Lord, I pray for freedom in this place from any sort of oppression, enmity that may be coming against any family member, any person, any sickness, Lord, we pray for your healing touch. And Lord, we pray for, for those that are far away, that have been deceived, Lord. We, we just ask that it be your kindness that is brought into, uh, that brings them into repentance. And Lord, for those of us that have yet to say yes to you, what a great opportunity today to surrender to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and to say yes. I believe that you, Jesus, died for me to pay the price for my sins. And thanks to your life, death, and resurrection, I now have everlasting life. Lord, I pray for freedom to utter those words, to believe in you for the first time this morning. And, and Lord, for, for those of us that, that are in tension, I ask, whether it be here in the front or going to ask for prayer, that, that we would leave here empowered and strong in you because mighty you are. In the name of Jesus Christ, we all say.